0: Having no appetite for spiritual teaching. To have no appetite for God's Word. To have no appetite for preaching. To have no appetite for anything spiritual. Things have to be incredibly fun or exhilarating to watch for you to have any interest in it. First Thessalonians 5 and the verse that we'll be reading out loud together is verse 23. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, and may I ask you all to stand as we read God's Word. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, let us read it out loud together. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may now take your seats. Thank you. Now, sickness. Now, I'm not a stranger when it comes to getting sick. You know, me and sickness, we have a long history with one another. Now, my dad is laughing. You can, he can testify. My parents can testify. Ever since I was a child, I always had a, an incredibly weak immune system. Incredibly weak. Now, the job and task of an immune system is to protect the body from viruses. To protect viruses from entering in and to block them off from ever coming in. But I'm a nice guy. My immune system is such a nice guy, welcomes all of these viruses in with open arms. Flu, come on in. Cold, come on in. Everybody can come in. We can party in Ivan's body. Now, growing up, my parents, they they felt bad for me. They felt bad for my future because they assumed that I would grow up to be a frail and sickly adult, and a short adult too. I was like 4'11 for all of my life. (laughs) <laughs> but now I'm 5'10, yay! <laughs> in the Philippines, actually, I kept going in and out of the hospital. For, for, in certain seasons, I would be in there for, for more than a month. And I even missed an entire school year in the Philippines because my asthma was so severe. I just had very horrible lungs. And that's why uh, Brother James, that's why I refuse to do the grouse grind. I have bad lungs, all right? <laughs> in my first year of Bible college, Now, I'm not a kid anymore. I found myself getting sick every month still. And eventually, I found out I had to go to the ER because it was a lingering pneumonia. You know, again, something to do with my lungs. Now, besides these two major cases of asthma, pneumonia at this time, I've always just been susceptible to illness. I've always just gotten sick. Elementary school, high school, college. And it's only really in the last two years where I've been a bit more healthy and you know, I, maybe it's because I stopped drinking Coke or uh, Pepsi. I, I, I put a lot of credit into me giving up soda for me being a little bit healthier these days. I'm now anti-soda. I used to be for, for Coke and I was the, the biggest ad, advocate for it, but no longer. And I'm healthier for it. Now, as a kid and as a teenager, I did not mind getting sick. I actually kind of loved it. And not the sickness, but because I could stay home, I could miss school, relax. You know, and some teachers were nice enough that if you were sick, you didn't have to make up the assignments. You didn't have to do the quizzes. Those were my favorite teachers. (laughs) I would always say, oh man, but in my head I was smirking. I was like, yes, I don't have to do those. But you know, as I get older, the more and more that I actually start dreading getting sick, because these days, even though I get sick for a shorter time, I used to, before I would get sick for a week or two weeks at a time, but now I get sick for about two to three days, but even though it's a shorter duration of time, I feel like the symptoms, I don't know if it's about aging or something about aging, but I feel like the symptoms hit me much harder now than it was before. Now, since I've gotten sick so frequently, usually, I can sense when I'm about to get sick. I can sense when I'm about to get hit hard by some sort of illness. Because symptoms, or the lack of it, can greatly indicate the state of your body right? The moment I, <clears throat> I sense an itchy throat swelling inside, I know for a fact that the next day there's about a 90% chance that I'm going to wake up sick. It starts from that itchy throat. And lo and behold, most times I sense that sore throat, the next day I have a full-blown sore throat. I have a cough, I have a fever, and a runny nose, and all of the, the plethora of symptoms. And it started off with that one itchy throat, and I knew I was going to get sick. The symptoms are evident. The symptoms are clear. I know that I'm sick. You cannot refute the symptoms. You cannot ignore the symptoms. You cannot go against the symptoms. Now, during the height of the pandemic, if you showed multiple COVID symptoms, you would have been told to self-isolate and to stay in your room. Now, if you claimed, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine enough. I'm healthy enough. And you were still showing symptoms. No one's going to hear you out. If they can see the symptoms, they will tell you to go back into your room, self-isolate for 14 days, because we don't want what you have. Even if you feel fine enough, you can't argue against the symptoms. If you're showing it, that means there's something, there's a sickness within you. Now, hopefully all of us here are physically healthy. But there may be some here tonight who are only physically healthy. But sick in another sense. We are spiritually sick. And unlike physical sickness, I can't observe if someone is sick. With physical sickness, you can see the symptoms on another person. You can see them coughing their lungs out. You can see them maybe shivering from the fever that they have. But spiritual sickness cannot be observed, but only you can discern if you have a spiritual sickness. How do you know if you are spiritually sick? Again, you must look at the symptoms. And tonight we will investigate some of these, and please, with an attitude of self-evaluation. Because all of us here want to say that we are spiritually healthy. But no matter how much we say that we are fine, or we are spiritually fine, if you have some of these symptoms, it, it is indicative that you have a sickness, a spiritual sickness. But before we get into the message, let us begin in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, so much for this uh, message that you uh, put in my heart, even during when I was sick myself. And you put this, in, put this message into my uh, mind. And I thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you have given me in, in furnishing and finishing the sermon, Lord. And I pray that you would help me to preach with all power, with all feeling of the Spirit. And I pray that you would uh, speak to the hearts of everyone here uh, listening, even online or live as well, that I just pray that you would uh, work in our hearts tonight. I pray that you make your presence known. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I enjoy eating food. Now, there's a difference. There are people who, who love food, there are people who love food, and there are people who love eating. That's actually two different things. Now, my... When I think of a person who loves food, I think of my two sisters. They like trying new food, they like cooking new food, and I'm I'm a big fan of it because I get to taste it, I get to be the tester. It's amazing. Now, a person who loves to eat and not really loves to make food, a person who loves to eat are my brother and my dad. It doesn't really matter what's in front of them, they'll just consume it like this, like a black hole, it's just gone the next day. My mom just buys a a new bag of chips, my brother took the whole bag and went downstairs, you never see it again. My mom buys like butter chicken, like a whole batch of it and my dad finished the whole thing with the sauce as well. And so it just disappears and soda's in on it too because my dad gives it to my dog. So everybody's in on it. But me, myself, I enjoy eating. I'm not the biggest foodie. You know, I think food is just, at the end of the day, it's just fuel. You know, you have micronutrients in there, macronutrients. It's just fuel for my body. And even though I don't have the largest appetite in the world, My appetite is large enough that I'm almost always hungry throughout the day. You can ask the interns. I would always sneak out of the office and I would just ask them, Hey guys, do you guys have any food? No, I I wouldn't even ask actually. I would just kind of take a sip, take a bite if they had any food out there. They would let me. It was just a a mutual understanding. (laughs) I think. Hopefully it was. But hunger, hunger is a very distracting feeling. If I'm hungry while working, if I'm in an 8-hour shift and I'm hungry, I can't help but think of food. If I'm hungry while I'm in the gym exercising, you know, I have that urge to just drop everything, go home or go to Chipotle, and fill up my, and eliminate my hunger. I could be in my bed, ready to go to sleep. And I've done this so many times, but the moment I feel that gurgling of my stomach, I leap out of bed and eat something, even if it's midnight. But hunger is actually a blessing in disguise. Like, we don't enjoy the feeling of hunger. But it does something very important for all of us. It is our body warning us that your energy reserves are low. That you need to fill up. Now, some people's hunger warning is a bit, you know, off. (laughs) It's just keeping telling them that they're hungry all the time. But for most everybody, our hunger is telling us your energy is depleting. You need to fill up on energy, on food. That you need to refuel. That is what hunger does. But when I get sick, one of my first symptoms is that my appetite completely disappears. It's gone. I don't want to drink any water. I don't want to drink a lot of water anyway, regularly. I don't want to eat rice, my favorite. I don't want to eat steak. I don't want to eat chicken breast. I don't want to eat pork. I don't want to eat eggs. These are all the things that I love. I know it sounds boring, but those are all the things I love. These are the things that I crave, but when I'm sick, I have no appetite for any of these things. And actually, the only thing I can consume while I'm sick is coffee. Because of my sore throats and my inability to taste, I just don't have any appetite for all the foods that I love so much. Now, this is actually very detrimental, especially when you're sick, when you're trying to recover. Because when you're sick, what do you need to do? You need to eat enough To give your body the resources that it needs to be able to repair, to be able to recover, and to expel those viruses. You You need to give the body materials to work with. But because of my lack of appetite, I would just skip almost every single meal in the day. I would just stay in my room. I don't give my body the resources that it needs to be able to recover. And the first symptom of spiritual sickness is this, is no appetite for spiritual teaching. The first symptom of spiritual sickness is this, having no appetite for spiritual teaching. To have no appetite for God's Word. To have no appetite for preaching. To have no appetite for anything spiritual. Things have to be incredibly fun or exhilarating to watch for you to have any interest in it. The preachers that are enjoyed these days are those who are exuberant and always cracking a joke every now and then. But there is no more longing for just people who are just purely teaching from the, the Bible. They, a lot of people, their appetite is, their, their craving is entertainment told through a sermon instead of appetite for God's truth. No spiritual appetite means that you no longer hunger, for the things of God. You don't crave it. You no longer meditate on the truths that God puts into your mind. And the only thing that you can stomach these days is one sermon a week. More than that, more than one sermon, Bible reading on top of that one sermon, way too much for you. It wouldn't be enough, you wouldn't be able to stomach that at this point. When was the last time you were truly excited to read your Bible? Now, many of us here are very good in in, in daily Bible reading. Many of us here tonight are very good at that. But when was the last time you went to your desk and you were actually excited to crack open God's Word, rather than just uh, checking a, a, a box to say that you have read it? When was the last time you were actually truly excited to crack open God's Word and to learn something new? When was the last time you were so excited to listen to a preacher, to listen to a sermon, that you even put the effort in to take notes? Or you put the effort in to mark your Bible, to underline verses? When was the last time that effort was put in because of your excitement? Has it been months now? Has it been years since you've you've been that excited for spiritual things? Turn with me to 1 Peter 2.2. And it says this, As newborn babes desire, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Babies have appetites. Now, the only thing they can consume as little kids, as little babies, is milk the only thing that they can they're able to eat. They have no teeth. But though they can only have that one thing, that one thing that they can actually consume, their desire to obtain that one thing is great. I'm not a parent, but you can ask the parents here of of babies. They will literally cry and make themselves known if they are craving, when they are craving and they're hungry for milk. They will make themselves known, they will plead, even though they can't talk, they will plead and cry out loud when they want milk. That is how much they are desiring milk. As newborn babes desire, talking to the Christians, desire the sincere milk of the word. Now when was the last time you longed for the milk of God's word, the same way a babe desires for milk? The same way a baby desires from look, When was the last time you really were that excited to learn about the Bible, to learn more about the Bible? Now, desire for God's Word is the key to growth. A growing Christian is a healthy Christian. If an individual's faith, individual's service, individual's knowledge of the Bible is steadily growing, that's a great sign. Even if it's little steps here and there, Forward progress, whether they be tiny steps, whether there be uh, tremendous leaps, that is still growth. If you are advancing, you are still growing. You are not stagnating. Growth means that you are not apathetic. Growth means that you are not being stagnant in your Christian walk. And growth only comes through God's Word. Not by just simply reading it, but by applying it to your life. And folks, God's Word won't have any effect on us if we are not consuming it. If we are continually ignoring it, we just keep ignoring the preaching. We keep ignoring, ignoring Bible reading. Or for some here, we are curbing our appetite. You know, in, in real life, there's ways to curb your physical hunger. There's a lot of smokers. That's the, People who are, also suffer with... Um, Anorexia, a lot of them smoke because smoking also curbs your appetite. It makes you no longer hunger. And a lot of us, there is a a way that we spiritually curb our appetites. We fill up, we fill it up with entertainment, we fill it up with worldly things, and through those avenues, we curb our appetite for spiritual things. Folks, if you have no appetite for God's word, or if you have very limited appetite, and you only crave it once or twice in a year because of some large event, if you have no appetite for God's Word regularly, that should concern you. It may be indicative of your own spiritual sickness. And the second point, not only do I lose all appetite while I'm sick, but also most of my energy disappears. Now, in my family, I'm probably uh, one of the most, if not the most, energetic it's by far, it's not even a contest, I think. You know, a normal people, they walk up and down the stairs at a steady pace, quietly, normally. I never walk up and down the stairs. I run. I sprint up and down like a little dog. I jump up. Sometimes I walk up I walk up the stairs on all fours. That's how much energy I have. You know, instead of talking at a normal volume, at a normal, you know, decibels, I only, I'm very loud. I choose to talk extra loud for the, the factor of annoying my, my big sister especially. He's the one who gets annoyed the most. Instead of staying in my room, you know, a lot of kids these days, they like to just stay in the room and they don't like to be bothered. I'm the one who likes to go into my sibling's room and just annoy them. You know, that's my way of showing love is to just kind of like mess around with their things, um, hug, hug them. My sister, I lo- she loves hugs. Hannah, she just definitely loves hugs. But I keep giving them what they don't want. And it's because I have this abundance of energy. I can't just sit still and do nothing. I always have to be moving around. I have lots of energy, even in the middle of the night. You could see me if you're still awake, I'm just shadow boxing. For no absolute no reason, I would would break into just doing random push-ups. For no reason, in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., because I still have energy. But the moment I get sick, that large pool of energy just vanishes. It's gone. Walking, just walking normally. It leaves me huffing. It leaves me huffing and puffing. And I just feel like um, I, I just walked up the grouse grind. Instead of being talkative, I become the most silent man on earth. Never talking. I don't want to be talked to either. And sadly, I don't even have the energy to annoy my sisters. I don't have the energy to ask for food or to have some random favor. In fact, while I'm sick, most activities, and this is why I hate getting sick, most activities are closed off to me. I can't drive, I, like when I was getting over that, that recent sickness that I had, I had to go to the gasoline station to fill up on gas. And even that five minute uh, drive, my, my head was like, about to, it felt like I was about to explode, it hurt so much. I can't drive because of my headaches, I can't eat because I have no appetite, I definitely can't exercise, I can't read books or look at a digital screen for long because it strains my eyes, making my headaches even worse. And at times, I can't even leave my bed because of my fever. Because I'm just shivering in my, underneath a blanket. So I can't really do much when I'm sick. I have absolutely no energy. And in fact, out of the 24 hours in a day, I probably spend 16 to 18 hours just sleeping. Because that's all I can do. All the things that I love to do, I simply can't do while I'm sick. Why? Because I just don't have the energy. Now think on how you have been serving. Think on your Christian service. For most Christians, they can usually think of a period, a time period in their life, and they can think back to that time, and they could see that they were incredibly zealous. That they were incredibly energetic a couple years back, or a couple, or maybe even decades back. But unfortunately, that's just it. It was a period A past period in their life. Their zeal and energy are long gone. And now that zeal that they once had, that energy that they once had is just a relic of the past. It's ancient history. It's so sad to see kind of this degeneration in a Christian's fire. A lot of times when a Christian, especially a young man or young woman who were you know, in their 20s maybe, who get saved, they're, they're incredibly on fire. You know, They always want to get involved in all of these ministries. They just want to start serving the Lord. They have, this, they have this energy and zeal to just want to serve the Lord in whatever capacity they can. But for some reason, over the years, it starts to wane. Maybe they're still serving. Maybe they're still serving in, in different capacities. But... their fire and zeal are no longer, it's starting to disappear. Before they would be gung-ho in a ministry, but now they're, they're dragging their feet in performing it. Turn with me to Romans 12. Romans 12, uh, the whole, um, that particular part in not, verses 9 to 21, it features uh, a bunch of attributes that all Christians ought to have. Marks of being a Christian, you could say. And in one of these verses in particular, it's applying to this point of having no energy. In Romans 12, 11, it says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That is what a healthy Christian is supposed to be. One who is not slothful. And one who is fervent. A healthy Christian is one who is not lazy in accomplishing the Lord's work. It is one who possesses a a fervent spirit, a fire in his heart to serve the Lord. An individual burning so hot for the Lord that he just can't contain it. That is a healthy Christian. Does that description describe you tonight? Or does that description describe how you were years ago, when you were freshly saved, when you were newly converted? I love self-evaluation because I am such an imperfect individual. If I'm not watching myself, I can completely degenerate in terms of all the, the traits that I'm trying to build up. They can completely go into decline. I always have to watch for pride. I always have to watch for self-dependency. Um, I'm always watching for these things. And one of the things that I'm always watching for is my zeal. Especially when you're in ministry, when things become, it is your job now. Before, it's like something that you volunteer for and you step out for. And you, would, you need to have a desire first to actually do those things, to be a part of those things. But now that it's part of my duty, it's very easy to fall into the trap as a person in the ministry to... Think of a lot of ministry as just duties. It's part of your job. You just have to do it so you can get your paycheck. And you start having this mentality. You're, 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 if you're not washing yourself, your zeal and your fire start to slowly disappear. I'm always washing myself. Am I as zealous as I was back then? Am I, am I falling? into? Am I, is my fire dying? Is my fire getting colder? Those who are spiritually sick, they tend to be slothful when it comes to serving the Lord. You have to poke and prod them like cattle to to act. You know, cattle, they're not going to move unless you really, you know, stick it to them. They drag their feet. And instead of being on fire for the Lord, they're ice cold and apathetic towards service. They could see a need that is clear that there is a need for it, but they wouldn't even move. They wouldn't feel that burden to even help out because they just don't have energy. A sick Christian struggles to serve in even the smallest capacity because they are completely spent. All the, the reason why most people don't have energy when you're sick, the reason why you don't have energy for spiritual things is because that energy that's gone is now devoted to secular things. And none of that energy is being reserved for the Lord's work. Or, Others struggle because in their spiritual sickness, they no longer depend upon the Spirit's power. And Pastor White is going through the the ministries of the Holy Spirit. And he is the key to Christian power and strength. But when you're spiritually sick, you no longer care about the Spirit. You don't care about accessing His power. You try to do everything in your own power. But here's the biggest difference. The Spirit's power is inexhaustible. You can keep drawing from it. Year after year after year, and it'll still be at an infinite level. You can keep drawing from the Spirit's power as long as you're asking the Spirit for it. But even the greatest and strongest men and women only have so much energy. Eventually, you'll burn out. And I really love that part in in Avia's special where it says, I couldn't do without you. I couldn't stand alone. I cannot stand alone. Because we cannot stand alone using our own power because we will be burnt out and spent. Are you short on energy tonight? Not on, on, on physical energy, but on, on, on energy to spend for the Lord. Are you short on that? Because if you are, this is another symptom of your spiritual sickness. And the third one here is another sickness, uh, another symptom of mine, is that when I'm sick, my irritability reaches its peak just I'm I get very irritated with everything around me this irritability is not just in relationship in relationship to other people but to everything in general noises that I would normally ignore and just completely just not even uh, register in my mind when I'm sick those same exact noises become grating to my ears they, they become very annoying you know I, I bump myself a lot just because I'm running around and I hit my, my knee, I hit my elbow, I hit my toe, and I stub my toe and everything. But well, usually I just ignore it and move on. But when I'm sick, when I, when I bump something, when I, I fall, I, my temper rises. I just get annoyed. I, I start yelling at that inanimate object like it can hear me. Even with my dog, who I never really get irritated with because he's so cool. I start getting annoyed at him when I'm sick. Because, you know, his tongue is out and everything. It's really annoying. He's panting. I know, those are things that are not even annoying. But when you're sick, everything just annoys you. You're irritated for no reason. Sickness to me, it gives me a sort of a sensory overload, right? Everything is just completely annoying to me, it feels. Now, a symptom in relating to spiritual things uh, Is when we become highly irritable towards other people, believers or non-believers. Now, a healthy Christian is one who is trying their hardest to conform to the image of Christ. And conforming to the image of Christ means that we must be loving, we must be merciful, we must be forgiving we must be long-suffering, we must be patient when it comes to dealing with others. It's safe to say that a Christian who treats everyone with a genuine love, that is a healthy Christian. A person who can get insulted, a Christian who can get insulted and can get completely uh, made fun of by another individual and he still has that love and respect for that person who insulted him and uh, injured him, he is a healthy Christian. He's one who knows how to forgive. He's one who can overlook others' faults because he has put others above himself. He esteems others better than himself. But conversely, one who gets easily irritated with other people is one who has put themselves above others. In that same passage we were just there in Romans 12, in verse 14 to 21, all of these verses... Indicate how a healthy Christian should interact with other people. And just follow along with me. You don't have to read it out loud. Actually, I will ask you to read it out loud with me. (laughs) Verse 14 to 21. Just follow along and read out loud with me. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. In that last verse, Romans 12.21, when we were making requests for those wooden, uh, the teen fundraisers, a request for um, a design, I put Romans 12.21, I I requested Romans 12.21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Because it's easy for us to respond in an evil way to people who are evil to us. That is our natural response. But that is not how a Christian should act. A healthy Christian follows verses 14 to 21 of that passage. But to one who is spiritually sick, that passage reads completely differently. Instead of blessing them which which persecute you they read it as, curse those who persecute you. Sick Christians, they are jealous and bitter when other people are rejoicing. Have you met those people? Whenever something good happens in another person's life, they always have something to say. They always want to one-up that person and say, oh, I've done that years ago. I'm much better than him. I don't know why you guys are rejoicing over that one victory. I'm that and much better. They always want to try to one-up. And that was very common in in other workplaces that I've been in, in the supermarkets, but there are people who are just always jealous and bitter when other people get the spotlight. Sick Christians, they rejoice when others weep. I don't know why. Again, when I was sick in the Philippines, I was walking to the convenience store, and um, I, was carrying, I had to carry an oxygen tank. I was with my dad. And I still remember this memory. I don't know why, but there was three kids. When they saw me with an oxygen tank like, connected to my nose, they like, started pointing at me and laughing at me. I don't know why that's. people rejoice when others are clearly suffering. Sick Christians, they push their own preferences and opinions and do not care about agreeing with other Christians. They pay back evil with more evil. They are not honest towards all men. They don't seek to leave, uh, live peaceably with others. They live for arguments. They thrive in causing uh, strife. They give place to wrath. And they take vengeance into their own hands. If their enemy thirsts and hunger, they laugh. They rejoice exceedingly. And they they hardly overcome evil with good. They overcome evil with more evil of their own. And that's not really overcoming at all. Now those descriptions are extreme, I know. But I'm sure no one here tonight is that irritable. I'm sure no one here tonight is that bitter. But bitterness in the heart, if you don't remove it, if you don't get rid of that bitterness in your heart, it will continue to germinate. It will continue to grow within you. Until you become like that description I just said. Now, this level of bitterness is not uncommon with unsaved people. You would find loads of people who are just, they just hate people. They're extremely angry. Uh, um, I just saw a video of an Uber driver. And one of his people who drove in his his, uh, taxi or cab or whatever it's called, in his Uber. This girl was just... Uh, berating him, insulting his nationality, being racist, being everything, being very, uh, throwing um, curse words around. And this person wasn't just uh, angry with the driver, she was on a call with another person, she was angry at that person too. When she got out of the Uber, she started yelling at the security guard, and she started yelling at random people walking beside her. She was an angry person, extremely irritable. So it's common for non believers to be. Very irritable towards other people, but let that not be said with us. Bitterness and, and wrath—they grow quickly. That in Ephesians four twenty-six, Paul says, "Let not the sun go down upon your wrath." Because even within that small time span, even in like a, a, a day, a night's sleep, it can—that wrath and that bitterness can grow exponentially. That's why Paul tells us to get rid of it immediately. Do not let wrath and bitterness remain in you because that is one of the leading causes for individuals getting spiritually sick. Healthy Christians are those who forgive quickly and they forgive completely. Not just in word, not just in saying, oh, okay, and in a text we're saying, oh, I forgive you. They forgive quickly and completely. They don't need to be given this long um, message as to why they should forgive this individual, they just forgive. Sick Christians, though, are those who hold grudges, those who talk poorly on anyone who has crossed or hurt them. That's how you know a sick Christian. Don't talk to people who just have negative things to say about other people. That is poor company. If you find yourself to be extremely irritable lately, it is without a doubt another symptom of your spiritual sickness. And last, when I used to get sick, Seemingly almost every month, one of the indirect symptoms of mine was it affected my mental state. It wasn't a, a physical symptom, but it affected me mentally. In general, I'm quite a joyful guy. I'm very happy. Uh, I thrive in optimistic environments. I'm just a very happy guy. Whenever I get sick, I get very melancholic. I get very sad, and I start questioning life. I'm serious. I'm, I just have these, like self-existence crisis or something. Self-identity issues, maybe. I would, just have a, I would just have this very negative outlook on life the moment I get sick. Because I just kept getting sick. It, it seemed like every single month I was sick for a week and a half and it, just, it actually started weighing on me mentally. I would ignore how much God has blessed me. Because at the end of the day, even though I've been sick so many times, I'm incredibly blessed. I've never once had a terminal illness. I've never once had uh, a deadly disease. or a, I think I did have... No, I, I don't think so. That was somebody else who had malaria. I don't think it was me. But I've never had anything dangerous or anything that came close to killing my life. All I've had were just flus and colds. I'm extremely blessed in that sense. I have a fully healthy body in the sense that I have all limbs. I have a functioning brain. There's nothing wrong with me. I've just gotten sick a little bit. I'm extremely blessed. But for some reason, that season of sickness, I completely forget about all those blessings and all those things that God gave me. And I think on my present condition. I focus on the present sickness and leads to me being depressed and sad. This last possible symptom of spiritual sickness is this. It's a dejected spirit. Now, being melancholic or being depressed or sad is not always due to spiritual sickness. This is a very important thing to note. A lot of people assume that when you are depressed it's because you entertain sin or because you are living carnally. It doesn't always mean that. Because sometimes it's just uh, it's Satan trying to eliminate you. Because even the most spiritually healthy Christian can get depressed. Can have seasons of melancholy. I think of, um, especially David Brainerd, and I think of Charles Spurgeon, and in their biographies, they hint and they always talk about how they are in, in currently in a season of depression. And those guys were not living carnal lives. It was just Satan trying to eliminate them in the ministry. But from personal experience, and from the accounts in Scripture, I know that one an individual tends to feel dejected and tends to feel alone and completely isolated from the rest of the world when they are not living right for the Lord. A person who is in close communion with Christ will always understand, even if other people disappear from their lives, they always have God. They understand that. But a person who is spiritually sick, who has run away from God, they don't. No, they no longer understand that. They feel that they are completely alone in this universe. Dejection of spirit is indicative of spiritual sickness. Turn with me to Isaiah 26. It's an incredible promise that we're about to read. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, 3, and it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. People who are close with God and are communing with Him every single day, close relationship with Him, intimate fellowship with Him, they understand that God is with them throughout the day, Throughout the way, they, they, they know that they trust completely in God's leading. They have perfect peace because of that. But people who are spiritually sick, they don't have. They can't claim this promise. They never have perfect peace. It's because their mind isn't stayed on God. It's stayed on something else. Spiritual sickness is when our mind is no longer stayed on God, but on something else. And when that happens, the peace that we enjoy, that we take for granted, disappears. And it seems like your life will come crashing down. I don't know who said this quote, but it says, The devil wants you to pay attention to your feelings. But Jesus wants you to pay attention to his truth. The truth is, in Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. That is the truth that we need to focus on, and not on our feelings or on our present conditions. We have to focus on Jesus. Just like Peter, when you take your eyes off Jesus, you will fall and see the storm around you. The song, His Eyes on the Sparrow, is one of my favorite songs because it's the lyrics. It shows why it is unreasonable for Christians to be chronically depressed, like to always be depressed for the entire life. And the lyrics are this, read like this. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he, his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. When we forget and ignore God, a natural byproduct of that is a dejected spirit. No appetite for God's word, no energy and zeal to serve God, being highly irritable in how you interact with other people and a dejected spirit, these four things are all symptoms and are all indicative that you have a spiritual sickness within you. Don't wait until your sickness proves fatal. Many Christians in the past have noticed, the, noticed these symptoms in their life and have completely ignored it, and now they have left the faith because they reveled in their sickness. They're not spiritually dead because that would mean that the salvation can be lost. One saved, your God has eternal promise, eternal security but right now they are in a spiritual coma. In a coma, there's no blessing. There's no grace involved there. What can we do in our life right now to ensure that we recover? With physical illnesses, all you need to do to recover is rest, right? All you have to do is rest, sleep, and recover. There are certain remedial steps that you can take, you can take um, medicine, you can, you know, have all these homemade uh, solutions or whatever it is, you know, in terms of your cultures. They have, every culture has like these certain remedies that they concoct that apparently cures all diseases. But you can take all of those things, but at the end of the day, you need to recover by resting, by sleeping and allowing the body to actually go in construction mode and expel these viruses from your body. But spiritual rest is completely different to physical rest in this one thing. We can physically rest on our own. I don't need anybody to help me go to sleep. Maybe if, I'm, if I refuse to go to sleep, someone can knock me out. But most, in general, I don't need any help for me to go to sleep. But for spiritual rest, you can't do that alone. You need divine help. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. That's the last... Second to last, that I ask you to turn to, Matthew eleven twenty eight, and it says, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden." And then another, another promise. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what. And I will give you rest. If you want a spiritually recover. You need rest. And how do we get that rest that we need for a recovery? Go to God and rest in Him. I started this whole sermon off with 1 Thessalonians 5:23. And the very God of peace, sanctify you holy. And I started it off with that verse for a reason. It is very difficult, if not impossible, for us to purge these symptoms out of our life by ourselves. It must be done through and by God. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. It is God doing the sanctifying, not ourselves. It is God alone who can do that to our spiritual sickness. We all get sick from time to time. Some may get more sick than, more often than others. But nevertheless, spiritual sickness will always rear its ugly head at some point in your life. But let us not be caught unawares. Let us be aware of all the symptoms of a spiritual sickness. Pay attention to your own spiritual health. There are so many health nuts that they focus so much time on keeping being 100% healthy. and They eat certain foods. They go on very strict diets and they watch for their physical health. Let us be the same towards our spiritual health to watch out for the symptoms. And when we have diagnosed ourselves to be spiritually sick, let's not linger and wait for years until we actually treat it. Let us go to God for rest immediately and recover. An evangelist once said, a believer longs after God to come into His presence, to feel His love, to feel near to Him in secret, to feel in the crowd that He is nearer than all the creatures. Dear brethren, have you ever tasted this blessedness? There is greater rest and solace to be found in the presence of God for one hour than an eternity in the presence of man. There's a song that I always sing or I always hum in my mind when I feel overwhelmed. And there's a song that I sang with my family in like 2014, I believe, and it's called Gentle Voice. And the lyrics goes like this. Far above the noise of life, There's a voice that is gently calling. Leave behind your cares and strife. Come to me, I will give you rest. Bring your fear and bring your pain. Bring your anger and bring your worry. Do you hear the voice of Jesus gently calling, Come unto me. Gentle voice, so meek and mild. Gentle words of understanding. You are my beloved child. Come to me. I will give you rest. Bring your grief and bring your cares. Bring your heartaches and bring your sorrow. Do you hear the voice of Jesus gently calling? Come unto me. You who are spiritually sick tonight, you, need, you know what you need to do. It is to go to God And receive the rest that only He can give. in so doing, your spiritual sickness will be healed. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.